What up, what up? If y'all, I'm glad y'all are, are mingling. If you're done, you can have a seat. If you really like the person you're talking to, feel free to go out in the atrium and y'all can just chat the rest of the night. That'd be awesome. Um, or grab their number and hang out with them afterwards. That's preferable too. Um, but for those of you who are new, who don't know me, my name's Leon Lombard. I am our young adult college minister here at Cottonwood and at Table 215. Um, and you have come right at the right time because this is our second week in our sermon series called Swipe Right. Now, uh, like I said last week, we chose that name because I like making fun of things. You'll see that tonight. I like making fun of things that our culture does that's openly dumb. And so I, I know if you're in here and you're like, whoa, dude, I'm on Tinder. That's offensive. Um, that's okay. We can be friends. Ask all of my friends. I make fun of people. Uh, I like doing that. Uh, however, pray for me because I'm pretty sure the scriptures ask me to, to calm that down. So uh, if you, if you want to know if you're my friend or not, it, it's when I make fun of you. If I, if I like you enough to be able to joke with you, um, it means I like you. So I don't know, take that for what it's worth. My wife still is trying to figure that out. So um, yeah, so week two, last week we talked about relationships. This week we're talking about lust. Now I know that's a word that's like only, yes, yeah, one person said, yeah. I don't know that we're cheering for lust, but that's all right. Uh, lust isn't a word that like we really use outside of the church. Like unless you like Kendrick Lamar, which I do. And he has some songs he'll say love or lust. And, and, but lust isn't like a, a term that we're using on the reg, right? And so what I want to do tonight is a few things. I want, to, I want to talk about lust and what it is in our culture. I want to talk about lust and what it is uh, biblically, what God says about lust. Um, and then I really want us to uh, independently, even though we're all here in groups and we're with friends, I want us to independently search our hearts uh, which that's, in case you don't know, is the hardest part of uh, being here, is, is searching our hearts for where do we actually stand when it comes to this day and age, being a follower, desiring to know more of God, desiring to be a person who, who claims that they believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ and lust, right? And so that's my goal for y'all tonight. Um, but before we start, I want to let y'all know a little bit about me personally. Uh, this is me and Lexi. Um, I'll out us. We, we have some like weird uh, like things that we do with our friends. Now I know I'm talking about lust and some of y'all are like getting really hesitant, so slow down. Get, we're at church, get your mind out of the gutter, get your mind. This is what I mean, slow down. Uh, we have this friend from, that was my roommate or my college and roommate, uh, they're married and every time, we've been doing this for two years, every time we go to their house and hang out, we always go to get something to eat, we come back to their house and we get on Hulu and watch this show called Catfish. We don't just watch it, we binge watch it, like hours. I'm pretty sure I've seen every episode of Catfish by now, um, which I know that's like not a normal thing a minister would come up here and say, but I don't like it because it's like, I, I like it because it's entertaining, um, but I also like it because I really, really like making fun of it. Like, I, I don't know, is anyone, raise your hand if you've ever seen or heard of the TV show Catfish, it's MTV TV show. All right, it's ridiculous. Like, literally, if you want entertainment, um, unless you're like a very sensitive person, then don't watch it, but uh, if you have a little bit of a, a jaded spirit, I guess, then feel free to go and watch one episode and you'll literally be in awe of like where our culture is, where uh, people who are our age, where they are. Um, for those of you who don't know what it is though, I just wanna show you the trailer. Now don't tell people we did this because I'm pretty sure this may be illegal, but you know, whatever. We're, we're, we're just asking the Lord that it's not. All right, this is a good one. Dear Neve, I'm in an online relationship with the greatest guy ever and we have officially been dating for the last two years. For about three years now online. For 10 years, one problem. 
We haven't met yet. Short of photos and phone conversations, I have not actually seen her or talked to her in person. We've tried to meet almost a dozen times. I need the help of someone who's been through this experience before, and that's you. I'm desperate to meet the man of my dreams. Let's go. <laughs> Come on, are you crazy? Steve, we're gonna miss the flight. We are heading to Atlanta now. Rochester. Going to Mississippi. Hey. Hey. Hi. Hey, man. How you doing? The connection we built is really something once in a lifetime. It's an unconditional love. I don't know what I would do without him. I love her. You know, I love Abby. I just hope he is. Always is. The next step for us is to sort of dig in. Yeah, go ahead and investigate. Okay, ready, Max? Let the research begin. Uh-oh, we got something. He's married. No. It means that the person she's been talking to is a fake. He says she's who she says she is. This is her. It checks out. This could just be another fake profile. This is bad news. She's a catfish. Oh, my god. Is any of it bad? I just don't want to be disappointed. Who is this person? I spoke to Matt. Mm-hmm. He will meet you. Oh, my God. 30 minutes. 30 minutes away. Tyler, you want to hit go? Oh, I'm scared. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. Oh, my God. This is so weird. I cannot believe it's you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what's up? Are you OK? No, not I at don't... all. I just don't understand what's going on. Guys, 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 guys. Hello? So that's, that's the TV show. If that didn't make any sense to you, I'll quickly do a brief trying to explain. Um, so what happens is uh, we're pretty dumb as humans. And so sometimes people get in these relationships with people they're not entirely sure if they're real or not. I don't know how that happens. But like the person won't ever FaceTime them back. Or uh, some of these people have never talked on the phone. Even that, that's still not enough for me. Um, I would need to see you if we're going to call ourselves to be in a relationship. Neither here nor there. So they do it anyways. They're like, man, I've been in love with this person for 10 years. Uh, if you've seen enough of the episodes, people have like put off engagements with other people because they're more in love with their uh, web relationship, or whatever you want to call it. And then this show, they get called in. They take them on this deep investigation to find out whether this person is A, a catfish, someone pretending to be someone they're not, or a real person, just a super sketchy person. Um, and, and so those are the two options. They go on this really low production. If you you can't tell, super low production, very corny uh, adventure. And on every episode, they usually find out at the end whether it was a real person or a catfish. Um, but the entire time, it's just cringy. You're like, what is going on? Surely they're just paying these people to say it, uh, but they're not. So uh, one thing you won't see from that, and, and this is you can take my experience from watching over like 400 of these episodes, um, is that 99% of the time, at the end of the show, they three months later do a recap where they call the person who was being catfished or potentially not being catfished, and they ask them, how are you and X person doing? And 99.9999, and I can say that for the rest of our time here, and it would be true, percent of the time they go, Oh man, after you revealed to me who they were, whether catfish or not, uh, it just didn't, it ended up not working out, right? Like if we just, we, brought, we went our separate ways, we realized, you know, I live in Florida and he lives in Alaska, it just, it's not going to work out. And so um, that's usually how it ends up happening. 
Now, the entire journey's awkward, and, and there's these points where you do feel for the people. I don't want to make it seem like I'm super insensitive. There's these points where I'm like, man, this person's so sold on this. I really, really hope that like, the person who comes to the door is at least who they said they are. But most of the time, as you can imagine, I mean, the show's called Catfish. They're not, right? Like, it's some, like, 80-year-old dude in his basement, like, who just made up a profile and suckered this poor guy or girl into it for 10 years. Um, but, but here's the reality. I, I bring all this up not to just tell you that Lexi and I like watching weird TV shows, even though we do. Um, it, it's because tonight, I want all of us to, even though we wouldn't naturally do this, put ourselves in the vulnerable position of what those men and women do. Because here's the reality, I, I'm, I don't know any of them. I've never like uh, done a one-on-one -on -one with anyone who's been on the show, but I'm guessing most of them already know it's kind of dumb that they're in the position they're in, right? Like I'm willing to bet none of them are like, yeah, no, dude, this is the way I would prefer it to be. I bet they're all like, yeah, I hate that I'm on the show, but I really just wanna know. And so for all of us in here tonight, we need to be able to take a little bit of like a humble pill because uh, like I said, I like making fun of things. Tonight, I really wanna just, I want to take us on an investigation through the scriptures, and I know that sounds corny, I don't mean it to be, but it is, but I want to take us through an investigation to see if we get there, how many of us are being catfished by our beliefs towards lust. Because, uh, so I'm not that old, but I did this uh, little Google search, and Barna did this study where, this is just in the church, but it was something like 90%, 93 or 4, I didn't write it down because it just blew my mind that it was that high, but 93, 94% of men are either addicted or regularly watch pornography or partake in other lustful uh, scenery, which I don't even know what that entails or what that means, but that's what it said. And then it was like 83% of women. Um, and so, girls, you guys are just as uh, susceptible as men in here, um, just to clear the air. And so what I want to do is I want to take us through this and go, hey, maybe we can realize how dumb these things are by just putting some light on them. Because here's the thing, I mean, from God's perspective, sin really is ridiculous. It's almost as dumb, it's probably worse, but it's almost as dumb as us sitting here um, looking at that catfish trailer and going, how can people, how do they get to that spot? Now, if you've ever been catfished, I'm not trying to make fun of you, I promise. I feel for you, but I'm hoping you, you didn't get like tricked multiple times, right? Like, hopefully you've learned from that. Dating some dude from 3,000 miles probably isn't a good idea. But spiritually, it's the same thing. Like, I'm hoping tonight we can shed some light on some of the stupidity that is this whole, uh, this whole trickery of lust, this whole illusion of lust um, in front of the face of who God is. Because here's the thing, I want to open the door and I want God's word to show us, illuminate some light on the situation. I want to meet up with the person that half of us, uh, according to the statistics, 90% of us in this room are flirting with. And then I want to go, wait, is this really worth my time? This is really what I'm doing? And I, and I want hopefully like the vast majority of the catfish people to, to go back and look at it and go, yeah, no, I wanted nothing to do with that after I found out who it was. After I found out his name was Billy and he was 78, I didn't want anything to do with him. That's my goal for us tonight. And so um, before we do that, I, I, I want to do this. I, wanna, uh, I want us to pray. Uh, we're not going to pray out loud necessarily. You, I just want you to pray. Because I don't know every one of you in here. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your battle with lust or pornography or any sort of sexual addiction or sexual pursuits. I don't know what it looks like. Um, but God does. Like he's very aware. He's not blind to it. I know you probably think you're fooling him in some areas. You're not. Um, and so what I want is I just want you to be able to say, hey, Lord, this is where I am. Can, can tonight, if this is true, can, can I embarrass myself 
inwardly at least, I don't have to do it outwardly right now, but can I at least inwardly put myself in a spot to, to open the door and see who this really is, see what I'm really doing so that that way I can find Christ more sweeter. And so you don't have to pray that exact prayer. That's just like if you don't know what to pray, that's the direction I would like push you in. Um, and then pray for me, please, just that I wouldn't stand up here uh, speaking nonsense, which sometimes can happen, but pray for that not to happen, and then I'll pray for us, um, and we'll dive right in. So I'll give you all a couple minutes for that. Father, we need you to heal us. We need and we want to see clearly this lie that has infiltrated so many of our lives, this this sexual immorality. Lord, I ask that we could see it face to face tonight. Father, allow your spirit to shed some truth on our lives, specifically for those who who struggle in here with this. Would this, would this word um, just reach our hearts, not for our righteousness or for us to finally beat something, but God, ultimately for your glory. Christ, I, I ask that you would tonight show us your victory. Would you awe us with your power, with who you are, and would that humble us enough to, to actually step into some dark spaces and allow you to shine? God, we, we need you, Jesus. I, I ask all of these things in your beautiful name. Amen. And amen. So, um, three things I want to do. If you don't know me, uh, I like I like doing a lot of scripture. I, I, I just do. It's because it's the best way for me to not sit up here and ramble um, too much. And so I, I want to just jump. I want to jump through the Bible. I want to allow God's word to speak what He says lust is, uh, what lust really is. I want to just I want to push it over us. And then at the end, I do want to just speak my experience into it and, and a little bit of my testimony and and how I deal with this and and how I feel the scriptures equip me to handle these difficult situations because. Um, the reality is, is that if, if this is such a vast problem, not just in the church, but in our culture, then um, we need to have something stronger in order to combat it. And so uh, I think I have a good, at least, outline for y'all to copy and cheat off of what I've done to see success. Um, and since most of you, that's how you got through college, you're welcome. So uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start with defining what lust is. Um, my one thing I want to say before I jump in is that a lot of you in this room that I know, you're very mature, you know the word, you've, you know, you've been doing VBS since like 98, like or whatever year, however old you are, you just, you know it. You're like, man, I know these things, I know the scriptures you're going to read, I know what lust is, I know what God says about lust. I'm going to ask you to remember what I said like 15 minutes ago. Our goal is to, to not like stand up and be like, I would never do, that would never be on the... It's to go, hey, let's ask God to reveal some truth to us. Because odds are most of us struggle with this. And again, women as well. 
Like, and, and lust isn't just pornography. I want to clarify that. Uh, lust is, let's define it actually. Lust is, according to Romans 1, 24 and 25, um, this isn't on the screen, this is just for me to read to y'all. It says, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. So this is what lust is according to this passage. It's us taking sexuality and going, Hey God, I know you created this, I know it's yours, and it really was meant for you to be glorified, and there's a way you want it, and there's a season that it's good, and there's a place that it's good, um, all sensuality and sexuality, but I'm gonna exchange that truth for a lie and worship what I want. That, that's plain and simple, that's what it is, we're calling it what it is. Um, it's not just some innocent thing that you do by yourself that doesn't hurt anyone, it's point blank, it's you saying to the God of the universe, Hey God, um, I don't think you really knew what you're doing with sex. I have a better way and a better place for it. And now I know that's an aggressive statement because most of you are like, I would never say that. But that's what the scripture says it is. So it doesn't matter what you, doesn't matter what you think it is. The scripture says that's what lust is. We're taking God's creation, we're worshiping it um, for ourselves, which in reality means this. Okay, and again, sometimes you gotta be hard, right? On cat, like this TV show, if you've ever watched it, uh, you gotta step into hard spaces to see who the other person is. We have to step into the space. We have to know, all of us in this room have to know that every time we uh, are subdued by lust, no matter the severity, and we'll talk about that in a second, no matter the depth, it legitimately is you saying, articulating with your life, not your words, with your heart, Hey, God, I deserve to be worshiped in sex, in any sort of sex, whether, um, whether it's to be desired sexually or whether it's to just have some sort of like chemical release. You're taking sexuality and you're going, I'm gonna use it for my own worship. So not only one, are you worshiping sex that's meant to glorify God outside of that and neglecting him of worship, you're ultimately worshiping yourself. Right, I think we can all agree with that. If we really had to strip it down, that's what we're doing. Right, like pornography is, uh, it's not really meant for anyone to have any satis satisfaction other than ourselves. Checking a girl, checking a guy out, having lustful thoughts about the like, intimate sexuality with another man's wife or another man's husband uh, or anyone who's not your husband or your wife, it, it legitimately is you going, I don't care who that person was created for, it's mine, I get to think what I want about them. I get to think what I want about them. You're fundamentally taking the gifts and the good things about God and saying, I don't believe that they're for him. I believe they're for me. Again, super aggressive statements, but um, I think our, our culture has painted lust as like a very lighthearted thing. It's like something you do in private and no one will ever ask you if that's something you struggle with because that's awkward. Um, but... In reality, it's this super aggressive thing. And these aren't my words, these are what Jesus says. Matthew 5, 27 through 30. Um, not often have I weeped on stage before, but I have when I read this, and so I'm hoping I don't do it tonight, because that would be really embarrassing, because I haven't met a lot of you <laughs> but for the first time. But I'm gonna read it, and hopefully I don't cry. Let's do this. Um, you have heard that it was said, this is Jesus talking, just to remind y'all. You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better 
that you lose one of your members, one of your eyes, then your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one of your members for one of your hands than your whole body go into hell. Now, what Jesus just said, again, let's just paint this super clear, as clear as, um, as I can see it, is this. Um, I don't have kids yet, but my wife and I do plan on having kids, and if we can't have kids, we plan on adopting one day. But what Jesus just said was, hey, um, Leon, if you keep struggling with sin, it would be better for you to rip your eyes out and never see your baby daughter or baby son ever, not even look at them, not see what they look like, never look at your wife's face again, never look at a sunrise, never look at the ocean, a mountain, anything that's beautiful. It's better on this side of eternity to, to neglect yourself from all those things than to keep walking in lust. It's better for you to cut your hands off and never be able to play basketball again, hold your child, hug your wife, be able to physically connect with the outside world. It's better to neglect yourself of all of those beautiful things than to keep walking in lust. Because you keep walking in lust, you're essentially throwing your life into hell. Now, those are Jesus' words, not mine. I think he said it a little bit more aggressively than what I did but I can't imagine a scenario in my head where um, pornography or checking a girl out or anything like that is better than the other option of seeing something beautiful, a sunrise. Uh, this last week, it was like really weird weather, but uh, there's this day I got done working out, which very rarely happens, but I got out of the gym and, and I saw the sunrise and I literally called my wife and I was like, it's pink and orange and I think a little bit of green, I don't know, maybe I'm colorblind, but the sky's beautiful, go outside and look, this is insane. And she went outside and literally we talked the whole way home just about the weird colors. And I have no idea. I'm not that sciencey. I don't know why the sky is that color. But it was, it was one of those moments where I just, I forgot the sky turns orange and red and pink and all these things. And I was just overtaken by it. And Jesus goes, hey, I know that's beautiful. But if you keep sinning, it's better to rip your eyes out and never see something like that again. Because the effects of that other thing are worse. The effects of sin, the effect of lust is ultimately worse. Now, as a believer in here, I don't know all of y'all's walks. I don't know where you're at, um, but this is what I want to say. As a believer in here, if you are a believer, if you're someone who has confessed Christ to be your Lord, you, you know he's coming back. You know he's your king. You know he's where you find justification. Um, he's everything to you. This is what I want to say. The reason I believe, so I'm stepping away from the Bible for a second. The reason I believe most of us in this room still struggle with this is because we have a misunderstanding of what justification is and sanctification. And if you don't know those words, I'll explain them in a second, but I think fundamentally we have lost um, the equation that leads to us finding this out. I think we disbelieve in the moment, wherever you're falling into lust, I think you have disbelieved that God has fully given you freedom from sin. I think you've forgotten that. I think in that moment, uh, I think many of us in here, we, we fight really hard, right? You, someone has a passcode for your phone or some sort of internet block or, I mean, I even had a roommate in college who once like Gronk spiked his phone uh, to get a flip phone. Like we go all out to stop sin. But I think fundamentally the reason we keep choosing sin is because we forget we're free. We forget we're justified. We forget the, the real basic truth of the gospel. And I think many of us in here have tried like extreme measures, at least if you're a follower of Christ, you've probably um, extreme measures to try and get over this. And then anytime anyone's ever offered just the bare, uh, the, the foundational truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, you're like, yeah, that's great, I, I believe that, but how do I stop doing these things? So let me explain uh, just 
justification and sanctification so that we can really work through this together. Justification is this idea, it's not an idea, it's the process of everything that you have ever done that is sinful was paid for on the cross when Jesus died. And when he rose again, that's the new life he's given you. So listen, justification is the one-time full payment that Jesus paid for all of us in here, um, especially for the believer when he died on the cross. Past, present, future, every sin you will ever commit um, has been fully forgiven by Jesus Christ. You're justified. Not, listen, not by anything you've done. Like if the Lord comes back, he's not gonna go, Leon, you're justified because you finally kicked that old habit that you were doing. He's gonna go, hey, you're justified because of what Jesus did. I could care less about what you thought you could do in your own power. The actual power came from Jesus. Then sanctification is what happens after that. Uh, Justification has to happen first, then sanctification. You can't be sanctified. Sanctified just means to grow in your faith. You can't do that if you're not justified. If If Jesus Christ isn't the one that gives you righteousness, that gives you life, that gives you power, you can't grow in it. It's impossible, and so the the best way I could think of putting it in a catchy phrase is this. The only sin you have the capacity to defeat is the sin that Christ already conquered. The only sin you have the capacity to, to beat in your life as a believer is the sin that Jesus already died for and beat for you. If it was up to you to overcome your own sin, it's not happening. Y'all get that? Just like that catfish show. If they didn't go meet Nev, it's not happening. They're, they're, I guess they're not intelligent enough. I don't know. They don't have the capacity to meet this other person. They've been trying for years, some of them for like 10. They just texted Nev, and two weeks later, they met the person that was behind the door. We don't need Nev. We need Christ if we're going to figure this thing out. And many of you, listen, this is my point in that. Many of you in here have that backwards. A lot of you in here have fundamentally believed you need to get your life right before you can come into the presence and have Jesus accept you. Like maybe it's not even lust, maybe it's other sin. You're like, man, I need to stop doing these things. I need to get right with these things and then I can come to church and then God will um, Shekinah glory, pour himself out in some sort of uh, spectacular way and my life will change forever. But the problem in that is that you just said your life changed before you met Jesus. That means that Jesus didn't change your life. Justification is that you met Jesus and you were so overwhelmed that he could love you despite your ability to get your life together that he said, I'm gonna do this for you. As a matter of fact, I already have. Now listen, great things are at stake here if you, fi- if you mix these two things up. Ultimately, the biggest thing that's at stake here is you understanding God's glory. Listen, the biggest thing I as a minister or even as one of y'all's friends can stand up here and say to you is that without knowing the full grandeur of God's glory, if you in here have no sort of, uh, not just emotional, but deep-rooted love for what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for your life, I hate saying this, but it's true and I've experienced it over and over, if that's not the driving factor behind everything God's glory, you will not change. Now, some people are disciplined. You might be able to change for a few weeks, but I, I promise you the root of your sin is always going to find a different exit. You will not defeat lust, your eyes, sensuality, sexuality, impurity in this world, your weird cravings that you don't even know why you have. You will not overcome them if Jesus Christ isn't greater. You won't. 
Because here's the thing, in that moment, you're worshiping yourself. And if you're greater than God because you have neglected to see his beauty because you're just amazed with this little toy, he's never going to be worth giving it up. He's never going to be worth giving it up. How could you, how could you claim that you, you, you want to give these things up for Jesus if you don't know the power of Jesus? You can't. So uh, let's jump into the scripture because I said we do have a lot and we do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7 says this. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So just real quick, believer, be encouraged. A lot of y'all, man, lust is talked about and you like crude up in a corner and start crying. Listen, God's on your side. His will is for you to grow out of the seasons you're in. And if you're in here and you've been trapped for years, listen, God is on your side and he desires for you to grow into more of his glory. But what is sanctification? Well, part of it is that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body. I want to come back to that in a minute because I think we have a misunderstanding of that. Control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles. Why do the Gentiles lust? They don't know God, right? That's what that's saying. He's going, hey, the Gentiles, they don't know God, so they pursue lust. This is a hard truth my catfish friends who are seeking to know the truth about lust, but your continual running to sin, to lust, men and women in here, is an open disbelief in who God really is. Now, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm saying you have some place in your heart that doesn't believe he is who he says he is. You're robbing yourself of the glory of God every time you run to lust, because in that moment you're going, I think he's that, but this is better. I think he's glorious. I think he's justified me. I think I'm free from this, but I don't know, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna run over here where I know I can get some sort of quick fix. Ultimately, you don't know God. Now, here's another thing. So, um, a lot of people read this. This is a scripture that a lot of people give out for their friends who are like struggling with lust, right? Go to a Bible study, go to a home group. Someone's like, oh, you struggle with lust? Here you go, First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. And you read this and you go, okay, I need to, I need to abstain from sexual immorality. And then it says that if I'm holy, I need to, uh, I need to what? Control my own body? Okay, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna control my own body. Right, it's like when people, when I played uh, basketball, um, I was always the smallest kid in my class. And one time I went to the gym, we're, we're like working out as a team actually, and I couldn't bench what everyone else benched. And literally one guy said, dude, man up, you can do it. That doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like those words mean nothing to me. In that moment, I can't push that much weight. Manning up isn't an option. In this case, lust, you going, I'm gonna control my body, and then leaving here feeling better about yourself, isn't gonna work. Maybe temporarily, I get what, what he was doing. He was trying to pump me up so that I can find some sort of He-Man strength and throw it up, but it wasn't happening. I weighed 112 pounds, we had like 300 pounds on the bar, not happening. Here, you can't beat sin that hasn't already been beaten for you. You can't control your body. God controls your body. Let me show you, because that can get wonky. Galatians 5, 23 through 24. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit just means as you grow in sanctification, as you grow more in the likeness of God, as you fall deeper in love with who Jesus Christ is, this crazy, weird, unexplainable mystery in my faith happens. You just start loving Jesus more. And then as you love Jesus more, all of a sudden you desire godly things, and godly things start happening. I don't know how to explain it. I wish I can give you the formula, because every 
every week, like four of you ask, hey, what can I do to be more godly? I don't know, just love Jesus, but here you go. This is what happens. He lists a bunch, and then at verse 23, he says, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Self-control, the same self-control that's talked about in 1 Thessalonians 4, is a fruit of the Spirit. You want to stop lusting, you wanna, you wanna conquer your battle of pornography, you wanna be able to conquer your battle of checking, being a slave to checking every guy with a six pack and every girl that wears a bikini, you wanna, you wanna conquer your body and have control of it, you can't by yourself but get nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ and guess what, that Holy Spirit will start giving you fruit and one of them is the ability to control. Now, I'm not saying you, you can't do like certain things that'll help you uh, get there, that'll help you see Jesus more clearly. You absolutely can, but by yourself, you don't stand a chance. Y'all see, I'm trying to beat this dead. Like, I don't want any of you to leave here going, I just need to do these 13 things and finally I'll be done. I want all of us in here to get to the level playing field of without fully finding Jesus Christ as the only thing that satisfies in your life, you are dead to that sin. You don't stand a chance. And I know we're like this independent, strong culture where uh, you can't pretend you're weak, but I promise you, you've probably been trying for a long time and still failing. It's because there's only one way to conquer sin, and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ and knowing it. That's the second thing. In 1 Thessalonians, it talks about knowing God. That's the difference between Gentiles and Christians. But here's my thing, Mark 1, verse 24. Um, I had a pastor one time tell me this because he asked me if I was a Christian. I said, yeah, I know who God is, and he read this to me, and um, I won't tell you what I said after that, but um, this is essentially what he said. He said, knowing God, just knowing that you believe there's a God is not knowing Jesus Christ. Even the demons, so this story in Mark, uh, Jesus is in uh, Capernaum, he walks into a synagogue on the Sabbath, and there's a man with an unclean spirit, which uh, I'm still trying to figure that out too, but it essentially means he has a demon in him. And this is what the demon says, They're, he's having a conversation with Jesus, he says, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Surely if a demon knows Jesus Christ, who he is, he's not, he's not putting his full trust and hope in the resurrection of Christ, is he? At least the demons in the scriptures I see, they're not like, ooh, Jesus is coming back, right? No, no, that's not their goal. But they, hold on, they know the Holy One of God. They know who he is. In 1 Thessalonians, it doesn't talk about some sort of head knowledge, it's not saying, do you know who Jesus is? A lot of us in here are like, yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I know who Jesus is. No, no. There's a deeper understanding that, that really unlocks this for us, and it's found in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in your heart. So listen, this is the type of knowledge. Has, God has shown in your heart to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You want to know what kind of knowledge of God helps you overcome lust and pride and all these other sins that we continually find ourselves trapped in? It's having your heart know the full glory of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of us in this room, that's an intimidating thing. For a lot of us in here, that's extremely intimidating because 
from the stance you're standing, you're a sinner, you're continually struggling, you have no idea how to get to God, and you look at him and you're like, now I need to fully know your glory? This is so much. But again, we have to look back. That's not the gospel. The gospel isn't you need to fix yourself up. You need to learn more. It's not about that. It's about you saying, hey, let me open the door to some of these things and let me see your light. Let me see who you are. Maybe for some of you, it's, um, for me, for some reason, worship, like, pumps me up. Like, I'm this hyper right now because of the worship we did before this, right? Like, it brings me to a different level for some reason. I don't know. That's the way the Lord wired me. But for some of you in here, um, it, it's as simple as just going, let me worship these things and see what my, how my soul reacts to worshiping Jesus. For some of you, it's going out and taking a step of faith that Jesus is actually better than your sin, just one time, maybe one time you, you go, okay, if this is true, I'm going to have faith that, that this is not worth it. This sin, this lust, this pride, this, this thing I can enter, it's not worth it because supposedly if I, if I put my faith in Jesus, next time I encounter him, he will be brighter and more glorious. And if that's true, I want to walk in that. I want to know it. I want to find it. And so for some of us, it's this simple. It's not just a head knowledge, because all of you are like, I need to go read my whole Bible. I don't know the Old Testament. I don't know the New Testament. I don't know deep theology. That's not what it is. It's a heart that knows the glory of who Jesus Christ is. And just to give believers and non-believers alike a hint, this happens when you realize how broken you actually are. Like the day you finally go, maybe I'm not this amazing person that I've tried to convince everyone I am. Maybe I am broken. Maybe I am a sinner. If God's that great, let me, let me find healing in him. Because listen, listen to me. Your pride's that high, you're, you're not going to see him clearly because remember, you already think you're better. Remember, fundamentally, let's go back. The definition of lust is you look in the face of God Almighty and you said, hey, cool, that's what sex is for? Well, I'm not married. So you know what? I'm going to go find sexual pleasure wherever I want it. Maybe we take a step back from that aggressive self, right? Maybe we take a step from that and we go, well, hold on, let me, maybe he's right. Maybe Jesus Christ is more glorious and I'm blinding myself from it. Maybe I'm blinding myself from it. Now, we've already, um, we've already looked at 1 Peter, but this verse sticks out to me over and over and over. 1 Peter 2, verse 11 Beloved, this is Peter writing to the church. This is one of the apostles writing to us. He said, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. That just means lost people, which by the way is all of us in here. That's the age we're in. We're just always lost. We have no idea what's going on. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh, which wage war against your soul. Listen to me. If you're in here and lust is something that's been beating you down for years, there is freedom, but every time you leave here knowing the truth that you're giving up the truth of Jesus Christ and his glory to worship yourself, all you're doing is allowing the war to eventually start, um, to start creating this callous on your heart. That's really what you're doing because then you step into worship and Jesus is being worshiped for his full glory and you see people on the floor praying, worshiping. You see people just doing things that you're like, yo, that's weird. But the problem is, is that you're not feeling the full glory of Christ because in that moment you don't see it. Not because you can't have it, but because you've spent a life worshiping yourself. There needs to be a submission to who Jesus Christ is in order to see victory. Because listen, I know this is said all the time, it's a war. 
Just because you can't see it, and I know, I, 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 listen, I have a lot of unbeliever friends, and every time I tell them there's a spiritual war, they, like, they literally want to paint me as a psycho person, but that's all right, because I know Jesus Christ is coming back, and I know it's going to be revealed on that day, but it is a war. And even if you don't really believe that, there's a part of you that has disbelief in that, you see the effects of the war on your soul, don't you? I, my non-believer friends will talk to me about how empty they feel after pornography, how, how disgusted they feel at what they did. And they feel the effects of war. They're feeling that on their soul. They just don't have the language for it. Even worse, they, they're trapped. They don't know how to get out. They don't know how to get out. All they have to rely on is discipline. So what do I have for us? Because it doesn't sound like I'm really giving much application other than just push in what Jesus said about lust on us. So I want to do something a bit different than what I usually do. I do want to give you guys kind of my, not personal testimony necessarily, but um, just kind of some things that in my life I've seen uh, God use to uh, deliver me from seasons of this. And so what I mean by that is that apart from knowing Jesus Christ fully on the cross, there is um, definitely godly habits of walking in faith. I want to make sure I use the right language here. There is faith steps. There's things you can do that will help get you to a place where Jesus is more glorious because you're not as jaded by this. But it's going to take extreme intentionality. And so if you're in here, it's like that catfish show. Again, and I hate that I keep referencing it, but it's like that catfish show. you got to reach out, right? Like they had to call Nev, even though it's embarrassing. And I would never do it. Even if I was being catfished, I wouldn't do it. But we got to do it spiritually. we got to reach out. And we got to go, okay, I'm willing to be intentional and take steps to actually go open the door and see what this hideous thing of lust is in my life. We have to be intentional. And so this is what we do. Um, if you haven't taken notes at all whatsoever, um, that's fine. But Colossians 3.10 says that it takes a deep knowledge to walk in this new self. It takes a renewing of knowledge. I'll read it because it's on the screen, I guess. Um, you have to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So tonight I just want to show you what, when I read this many years ago, um, man, I was deeply not addicted. My wife and I talked about this the other night. I don't know that I was addicted to pornography, but I definitely loved it. I definitely loved checking girls out before I was a believer in high school. That was like what I did, I guess. Me and my friends is like all we did now that I think about it. And yes, ladies, we're, men are terrible, but y'all do it too, so it doesn't matter. Like, don't call us out. You're also guilty. Nonetheless, let's keep going. Um, I read this when I was a sophomore in high school or college, and uh, I felt this weight on my life that I've never repented of lust because I didn't know what I was doing was really that sinful, right? Like, as a young believer, someone told me lusting after a girl was bad because it was another man's wife, potentially, maybe in the future, and it just didn't track with my mind. So I was like, okay, whatever. But then I read this, and I don't know what, God just tore me apart. He, he was like, hey, no, it's not about that being another man's wife. That's part of it, but it's ultimately you're sinning against me. And so I knew my, my love for lust and for uh, sensuality wasn't just about me offending people or me being a righteous person. It was about my relationship with the Lord. And, yo, I, I, from the day the Lord has saved me, have just wanted more of him. It's the one desire of my heart, man. I, I will give up anything, and I've given up a lot, um, not nearly enough, but I want to give up more every day so I can see the full glory that he is until he returns. And so if that's your heartbeat, if you're in here and you're like, man, I've tried everything and I want to see the glory of Jesus Christ, I, I want him to come back. But in the meanwhile, I, I want some tips to help uh, get through these seasons, these battles of lust. This is what the Lord uh, used for me. Philippians 2, 
12 and 13 says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So there's a way that we can work out. You've been saved. You, Man, I, I'm justified. There's nothing I can do. Jesus Christ fully loves me for who he is and the glory that he has given on the cross. But now I want to actually see some fruit. I want to start walking in truth. I want to start growing up as a believer. I want to walk as a true Christian. I want to have fruit. He says this is a good way to work out your salvation. And this is what that means to me. Um, I don't know if any of y'all work out. I'm about to give you all the steps. I don't know if any of y'all work out, but I just started like, uh, like two weeks ago. Uh, my wife told me I needed to and eat healthy. And so here's, here's what I learned real quick. I promise this is going to apply, so just stick with me. Um, I went to the gym, and I'm not going to embarrass myself and tell you how much weight I tried picking up, but I tried curling for the first time in two years. Um, and, and granted, I was super athletic. Well, I can't really say that. Some of y'all are really athletic. I was decently athletic um, back in the day and pretty strong. And so I went to the gym thinking I didn't lose any uh, muscle mass. I was wrong. Uh, and I went, and I just couldn't. I was like, this is too heavy. And I moved to the, like, where the like, colored barbells are. And if you ever go to the gym, you know those aren't heavy. And so I just started doing those because this is the thing I know. I know that as I pick a lower weight, I'm not trying to impress anyone at the gym. I'm married, you know, I got a ring. I'm not, I don't care what other people think. Um, I, I grab the lighter weights and I'm like, if I push this weight that has resistance enough, maybe eventually I'll get stronger, right? That's true, it's been working so far. I can pick up uh, more weight. Y'all can make me feel better, clap. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, I can pick up, I can pick up a little bit more weight than what I could two weeks ago. Still not a lot. I'm not trying to get like beefy. Like I'm not, if I get yoked, one of you please call me out, tell me to stop. Uh, it's not my goal, right? I'm not trying to get a six pack. I don't want any of that. I just want to be healthy. But I have to have resistance, right? Like for all of us, you have to have resistance. You're not going to get stronger if there's no resistance. In first, or in James chapter four, it says when temptation comes to us, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee you. Now listen, just like in our personal life, just like me working at the gym, if you're in here and you're a believer and you're like, man, I've been struggling with lust, uh, I just can't find a way out. Listen to me, I promise you that first time I picked up that weight at the gym and couldn't do it, I wanted to go home. Like I was like, I'm done, this is, I'm never getting back here, this sucks, I'm done, and I put it down. But then I remembered resistance at a little bit of weight over time creates strength. I'm not a physics major, but I remember that. I was like, man, just a little bit more resistance and more resistance. And the more resistance I keep pushing, the more success I find. Listen to me, our spiritual walk has been no different, at least from my, again, this is my personal um, testimony. Man, at first, it was hard. Like at first, like me and my roommates, like I said, we were gronk spiking our phones and our parents were like, why did you do that? You could have just sold it. Um, we were like getting flip phones. We had curfews. We, we took all the doors off in our bathroom. Like we went, don't do that. It's super, well, maybe you should, but it was crazy, right? Like we were just like, we need to make sure that we can resist at all fronts sin. But guess what? Now it's been years and over time resisting became easier because resistance over time becomes easier. And I felt Satan had to find new schemes because his old schemes weren't working. But guess what? I just kept resisting. 
And over time, resistance didn't, isn't what gave me, uh, I don't want anyone to think, that's not what gave me this like uh, desire to stop watching pornography or this desire to stop um, lusting because I, I still have those temptations that come my way, but I, I know now how to resist. I know how to flee. I know the way out. But over time, I had to work at it. I had to begin somewhere. I had, had to begin. I said, I'm, it's not happening today. And then it didn't happen that day. And I was like, it's not happening today. And then it didn't happen that day. And then every time I saw a girl or at the gym, I'd be like, no, no. And like, I looked like a crazy person. I was like, no, no. And I, like, le- I would go to another place. At all costs, resist him. And this is what happens then. You don't become holy. God doesn't love you more. Nothing magical. There's no fairy dust. But for some reason, that plus me going and worshiping God, he became sweeter. Like, like, I'll never forget, I was just worship. This is very few times has actually happened, confessing as a minister. I was just reading Genesis one day. Um, that was part of my Bible plan. It was like Genesis 8. I don't even remember what it was. I started crying. Like, I was just so overwhelmed at God's story that I, for the first time, I was so connected and so thankful, and, and I, was, I felt so free, and I knew the power of Christ that, that he just overwhelmed me. And now that's not the goal. Don't look for that. Like, oh, wait till I cry in the scripture. That's not, but I'm just saying your encounter becomes, Jesus becomes more glorious when you resist sin because he becomes your passion. He becomes the one who gives life. Next, we have Romans 8, 13. Kill the deeds of the body, for if you are living according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Again, community, 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 community. Find someone who's going to help you put this to death. Don't toy with it. Like I told you, we were crazy. We literally didn't have doors in our house. Like it was insane. I can't believe we did that. But like we, we put to death any sign and symptom. We all got flip phones for a season. People thought we were weird. We were. I deleted, I deleted my social media for a lot of reasons, but one of them was lust. Just deleted all of it. It was a cost I was willing to pay because Christ was better now, I'm not saying all oh, you should delete your social media, but some of you should. Some of you really should. Uh, okay, let's keep going. So put to death, fight temptation, and then this. James 1, verse 3. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Listen, the more I enter that trial of resisting the enemy, resisting temptation, resisting sin, steadfastness, I get better. I find myself not desiring it as much. I find this weight being easy, like... Like the personal testimony, uh, in college, I couldn't be alone in a room with my laptop. Not because I was like some creepy person, right? I didn't have a mustache, nothing crazy. I just couldn't. I knew myself. But now years, out, uh, years and years and years of resisting, man, I, I, can be in a la- I can be with my laptop and there's no like sudden overcome urge. I've, I've gotten stronger. The Lord has granted. Now, granted, there's a lot of things I wouldn't do that I'm still fighting, right? I still, I stay away from certain places. I, I stay away from certain websites. I, I stay away from certain Google searches. Or if I need to do something, like if I need to talk to a girl even at work, sometimes I'll let Haley do it. Like, there's many things that I'm still putting up. But ultimately, what produces steadfastness is you going, if Jesus is better, I'm going to walk in. I'm going to test it. I'm going I'm to test it. I'm going to figure out if it's true. And when he's more glorious the next time you're in your word or, or in prayer or in worship and you see the truth, like um, the Enneagram test, we just took the 16 personalities test, me and a couple people that work here um, yesterday. I don't know, maybe yesterday. I think it was yesterday. And, and one of the questions said something along the lines of, Do, can you partake in something that you can't like see, experience, hear, or touch? 
Listen, our faith isn't part of that. We can experience Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. You can experience steadfastness and growth in your faith. You want to know if your faith's real? Test it. Next time sin or lust enters in, look like a crazy person. I don't want anything to do with this. Keep doing it and see if Jesus is more glorious. I'm willing to say he is because I've experienced it. And then lastly, this is what I have and this is my closing statement, and the band's more than welcome to come up. Um, we can't just resist, right? Like if I go to the gym and all I'm doing is picking up 10-pound weights, um, and I go home and eat like 1,300 pizza rolls, um, it's probably not going to end well for me, right? I'm not really going to get any stronger. We have to nourish ourselves. Like if you're going to resist Satan, you can't just go, all right, I'm a Christian. Now this is how I beat sin, and I'm going to just do that only, and that's going to make God happy. You need to nourish yourself properly. I'm on this crazy diet. I secretly hate it. My wife made cookies yesterday. I was real pissed. Um, but but this, is how you, this is how you nourish yourself. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We partake in things where we know the Holy Spirit is active. Brian, I'm not some like guru, crazy person who's trying to make you burn incense in your house. You, wherever the Holy Spirit's active, whether that's worship or prayer or community, confession, I mean, you name it, you, you get there, right? You find a way to get yourself to places where Jesus Christ is being revealed with unveiled face, like his glory is shown. You may not necessarily every time feel it. Like you may not come to every Thursday and feel overwhelmed by the glory and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ to the point of tears, but every time that that's an option, you're showing up because you know one day he will. So we're, we're, we're looking for the glory. We're, we're asking for our faces to not be veiled by sin, but instead be clear because we want Jesus Christ. We want to know him fully and intimately, and we're going to do anything that will give us just a chance to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, that type of nutrition with constant fighting, listen to me, I, I don't have any sort of like claim to success on my own, but I have seen victory over pornography, over lust, over my eyes, over discipline in my body. I've seen the fruit of the Spirit overwhelm in my life because of this. Because now when I'm tempted, I think, how much better was my worship with Jesus last week and how much better is the next time gonna be? It's not worth it. It's just like those cookies. Man, last night they weren't worth it. I don't want those cookies because I'm looking for something better. I don't want lust. I don't want these things. I don't want my computer. I don't want that fake image that's putting me down and making me feel terrible. I want the man, Jesus Christ, who completes me. And so my hope for all of us in here is that we can just open the door. Call it what it is. Listen, lust is a, is a worship of yourself because you're not seeing Jesus Christ more clearly. That's not that big deal. It's not the end of the world right now. Jesus is coming back. We can pursue that now. Let, let right now be an indicator for change in your life. Not because you want to be a better person, but because you now want Jesus Christ more clearly. Yo, that's an awesome thing. We celebrate that. That's why we worship. That's why we, after this, after I pray here, that's why we worship. It's why we sing. It's why I raise my hands because the minute I hear that, I'm like, this is my story. I, I was lost in this and now I'm not. 
So listen, I, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you did even an hour before you got here, last week, last month, last year. It's day by day and we want Jesus more. That's the recipe for success. It's all I have, it's all I've done. And then glory be to God when he reveals himself. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are the changer of life. Without you, not one of us stand a chance. It's the sin you've already conquered that we conquer, and then we give you the glory. Father, I pray right now that there are men and women in this room who do struggle with this, but tonight they find freedom. At least taste it, Lord. Would you give us a taste of that? Would some of them this week, when finding themselves tempted with lust, would they just run to you instead? Father, would we trust that the gifts you give, the glory you have is better than self-worship. It's better than looking and lusting and wanting other things. Your kingdom is greater, and we ask for a vision of that tonight. Holy Spirit, would you minister each of us individually as we need it? Would we worship you knowing you, you're true, knowing your word, knowing you're coming back and you love us? Jesus Christ, you are alive. You've conquered all sin. We love you. We need you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.